0: Welcome to Paired with Politics. This is Nick and Logan. This week we're going to be discussing healthcare.
1: We're going to be pairing our discussion with Knob Creek, Kentucky Strait Bourbon, one of my favorite whiskeys, and a nod to Governor Bashir.
0: So, we actually started recording our podcast this past weekend, but the CBO report hadn't come out and we decided we wanted to wait to get the full picture of what was going to happen.
1: All right, hope you enjoy. So, when we started to record this over the weekend, we were diving into healthcare, um specifically the American Healthcare Act, the Republican replacement. Um, for the American, the Affordable Care Act, the uh, for Obamacare, um, the discussion would have been incomplete without the CBO report. That's the Congressional Budgetary Office's report on the impact. Um, so lo and behold, today we have the last bit of information um, on <laughs> what repeal and replace will look like for millions and millions of Americans.
0: All right, and so um, I actually am just now getting to look over what the CBO said. Uh, I was wondering if you could kind of summarize a little bit of what you've seen today, and I can bounce off of it at that point.
1: Sure. Um, Just a reminder, let's all not forget that Donald Trump said, nobody will lose their health care. Nobody will lose health insurance. Um, prices will stay the same. Akin to Obama when he said um, everybody will keep their health insurance, which at the time, put a fact, rated the lie of the year. And that turned out to be false for about 4 million Americans. So CBL reported today that an estimated 14 million Americans, 14 million Americans will lose health care in 2018, just next year.
0: Wow, in one year. I, I mean, I'm seeing now that it says 20 they're expecting 24 million by uh, 2026, right. which would also be after, um, you know, they're trying to... In this current bill, as it is... I mean, that's something that we have to talk about. Like, this is the first iteration of the bill. There's going to be people going in and changing things about it. But if we t- take this bill at face value and look at what the CBO said. It's $24 million by 2026. And that would be after they've phased out the uh, Medicaid expansion, which is supposed to end in 2020, too. So there's, at that point, there'd be reduced subsidies for lower-income people, and just people wouldn't be able to stay on health insurance.
1: Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, and the... I mean, the inner workings and the what's going to go in and what's going to go out, that's a little bit tricky right now because there's a lot of... There's a rumor going around um, D.C. that is kind of stating that Republicans might be introducing such an awful, such a terrible bill. I mean, I'll repeat it again. 14 million Americans in 2018 alone are expected by the CBO to lose health insurance. To put that out there and just... Pretend it doesn't even exist. Um, I think it adds fuel to the fire that Republicans are kind of putting out a bullshit replacement bill so that it dies immediately, and they can say they did something, blaming on I've, Democrats.
0: Yeah, that's what I thought on Monday. Actually, right as it, it came out and we started to read about it,
1: I—that's last Monday.
0: Yeah, last Monday. I I was so uh, surprised that even Republicans would. You know what they really and okay, so part of the limit... the reason that they've put out such a kind of horrendous bill is because they're trying to do it through this uh, budgetary method, right? They're mm-hmm. not able to go in and actually change elements of the bill. The only thing they can do is really defund portions of the of the ACA. So I think that that has a lot to do with it. I mean, but it's just not feasible at this time, and I think they know it, right. I mean, so why do they have know. to do
1: the the budgetary route?
0: Why do they have to do the budgetary route? I've just read about it and know... So with the
1: budgetary route, they only need a simple majority of 51 votes. And they have 53. Uh If they were going to do full repeal full replace, they need um, filibuster-proof 60 votes.
0: Okay, so they would need Democrats. Right. And they're not going to get them. Yeah. Unless they actually produce something that is actually better than the ACA. I know there's a lot of Democrats and Republicans who would be happy to continue to provide mm-hmm. healthcare for their constituents that they would be happy with. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. It's, they're not even considering reaching across the aisle and talking with, with Democrats at this point. I mean, that's one of the things that's really frustrated me up to this point is the first address to Congress. Um, he said, we need to come together and work together. But apparently that only works when it's helping the Republicans do what they want, like... Republicans don't have to come together with Democrats,
1: so. Right. So, I mean, that's, a, that's really fascinating, too, because um, I think, like what you just said, there's a lot of Republicans, and obviously a lot of politicians do want to make sure that their constituents have health care. So that just goes to show the, the absolute success of the Affordable Care Act of Obamacare, um, fifteen Republican governors oversee states that expanded Medicaid. Thirty-one of fifty states have expanded Medicaid, and that's just ten million of the new insured alone. Mm-hmm. Um, another eight to ten million are from the success of the subsidies. Um, to be fair, there is another astounding number in the CBO report, and this is what Paul Ryan. He's running around D.C. saying, look, it's going to be a huge success because in those 10 years when 24, 26 million people will lose health insurance, the deficit will shrink by three
0: hundred $337 That would be over the coming decade. Right. I mean, are they saying that that's directly related to it must be, otherwise yep. it would be worthless so information?
1: They're getting those numbers from shrinking Medicaid, and overhauling the subsidy system that Obamacare put into place. Hmm. Um, So the two things, the two main things that got almost 20, 25 million people insured in the last uh, seven years. It's just so shameless to run around and say we're gonna shrink the deficit by 330 billion, literally by making sure people die. By saying you're not going to be able to survive. I mean, let's not shy away from what it means to lose healthcare. It means that you are going to be sicker and your chances of not coming out of illnesses is just.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's other places to shrink the deficit, I'm sure.
1: One thing that won't shrink the deficit is a trillion dollar wall.
0: Yeah, that's for sure. I mean, is no, Paul Ryan just, just a huge stooge that doesn't know what the fuck is going on? Or do you think that he actually knows what's going on and is just playing, like, choir boy and just do, doing what he's told? Like, I
1: think he made a Faustian deal. And if he plays along with some of the bullshit, then he gets to do some of the crazy, super conservative stuff that he's always wanted to do.
0: Like, tax reform?
1: Tax reform... His crazy welfare ideas... At least he's a Republican that technically cares about the poor. At least that's what he talks about. <laughs> but his his plans are just essentially reverting back to trickle-down economics, which is what we are seeing with the AHCA. It's mm-hmm. the top cuts and the top benefits go to the top, top wage earners and the healthy. Um, and that's not even to... And that's just on... The individual market. So there's also analysis saying that the employer-based market is also going to tank.
0: Right, I saw that. Um, so what I was reading, and this is from a Republican health policy advisor who worked with um, Mike Pence. His name is Chris Jacobs. He he reported on Monday to The Federalist that um, his estimate was that 10 million to 20 million people could lose their employer-based insurance. Mm -hmm. So what their employer is providing them, because employers, I would imagine mostly small employers, but employers could uh, opt to allow individuals to take the tax credits Mm -hmm. instead of providing insurance for them. So for a lot of people who haven't really been paying attention to this, because maybe they they didn't really need to get insurance through the healthcare marketplace, they've always been insured through their through their, um, their jobs or whatever really do need to be paying attention because they could potentially lose insurance through their employer if this goes through the way that it currently is. And that's, that's surprising. I mean, that, sure. that would be a huge shock for a lot of people who aren't paying attention. And then the... 10 to 20 million.
1: The quote-unquote deterrent. So Obamacare's deterrent is the individual mandate um, where you'll get fined during your taxes the next year the republican deterrent is a 30% premium increase if you leave the health insurance marketplace when you try to come back on you know and the really the only reason you would come back on is if you got sick at that point um then you'd be slapped with premiums 30%. at a 30% increase
0: right and so that actually is negative if you're talking about economics here. That's actually negative for the health insurance market because basically you're incentivizing people who are healthy and think they're doing well to get off of health insurance and not pay for it when they don't need it. And then when they do need it, they get back in the market. They're already sick at that point. The only reason they would come back is because they're sick and they really need it and you're charging them 30 percent more which is just kind of morally wrong but additionally you have another sick person in the health insurance market that the healthy people have to pay for so if you expand that on a larger scale then it's it's not like reasonable feasible for the insurance market to continue to do well you only have sick people and you And you disincentivize healthy people for buying health insurance. And that's how health insurance works. I mean, we all get sick at some point in our lives. We all are going to need some end-of-the-life, end-of-our-life care or all of those kind of things fall under health insurance. And if people aren't willing to pay for it to support each other, the young help the old, the healthy help the sick, then our marketplaces aren't going to be able to work.
1: Right. Right. And this, I think this goes back to a lot of what is really in vogue, or was in vogue, at least during uh, Bernie's campaign, was this idea of um, European-style socialized health care, um, Nordic country-style healthcare. care, um, UK has got a single-payer system. But one of the things that those countries benefit from is the American security net. So they're not paying a crazy amount into their defense budget the way that we are so they can divert taxes even have higher taxes and be comfortable paying higher taxes knowing that they're going to be healthy on a larger scale whereas we get distracted with we need to increase the defense budget and we'll blow holes giant giant holes in the deficit for shitty new planes that no one needs but then let Thousands and millions of people die because they don't have health insurance. Well, not only do we spend a lot on defense, but we we spend a lot of money um, per per individual on health care because we let our insurance markets get so crazy. And then on top of that, we, which Donald Trump abandoned this this promise too for those who are keeping score. Um, we don't let um, we don't negotiate our drug prices. They just get to skyrocket because we have, a, you know, quote unquote patent protection, to benefit these assholes who make ten thousand dollars a pill, drugs that save people's lives. So let's look at some of the numbers. How So how exactly do the subsidies, the credits change from, and this is for the individual marketplace, change from ACA to AHCA?
0: So the tax credits that would be offered through AHCA would be based primarily on age rather than income. So currently in the ACA, people who have lower incomes benefit or have larger subsidies to help them pay for their insurance because the cost of insurance is the same no matter who you are. It's applied right away. Right, and it's applied right away. Um, So...
1: How do you verify your income? You... How did you verify your income?
0: Well, when I did it, I estimated what my income was going to be that year. um, And then basically at tax time, you, you put in your information, what you actually made that year, and you have to pay back the difference. So if you make a whole lot more money than you were expecting, then you have to pay back some of the subsidy that helped you pay for your insurance. Um, Actually, and the reverse, I believe, is uh, applicable, so if you make way less and you still fall within the threshold, you get some kind of return back. Mm -hmm. So anyway, um, with the AHCA, it would be based just on age, not on your... Income? Income. Um, so this would mean anybody under 30 would be eligible for $2,000 worth of a tax credit that could be applied for that year. And somebody who's over 60 would be eligible for $4,000 for a tax credit available that year, which at face value seems to make sense. Right. But there's a little bit, something complicated about that. The problem is that with this particular plan, uh, insurance companies would be allowed to charge up to five times as much for an older person's insurance than they would for someone who's younger. So, I mean, what this means long term is people won't be able to retire really, really when they want to. Um,
1: well, even before that, I mean, older folks just have more health insurance costs to begin with.
0: Right, yeah, yeah, that's true. Especially if they're sick or they have yeah. anything going on. It's going to be a lot.
1: So you're already eating out of, in. so maybe you have a paycheck, but maybe you're just a fixed income, and you're still eating up a crazy amount of your check. So one of the other monster numbers that came out of the CBL report today, um, and this was specifically, they used this example, someone in their 60s who makes about $24,000 a year um, under Obamacare, they paid about eleven to twelve hundred dollars out of pocket for premiums. Um, with the AHCA, they're looking at almost half of their annual income—about twelve thousand dollars. So it's about a seven hundred and fifty percent increase in um, healthcare costs, just on premiums alone.
0: Wow, it's crazy. It's not livable, is the thing. Like, there's no way to live if you're spending half. on health insurance it's just not and I mean I don't know about you but I just I know a lot of people who think about trying to be entrepreneurs or doing Mm -hmm. something like different with their career and their life and they're unable to because because of health insurance more than anything else even people who have a paid off house and all that kind of stuff they still are like how am I gonna afford health insurance and to me that really destroys this idea of innovation and part of what makes America America has been that we're on the forefront of new ideas and if we kind of continue to shoot Mm -hmm. entrepreneurs and innovators in the foot by not allowing them to to explore new ideas then how are we going to continue to be that nation
1: right I mean let's speaking of innovators and new ideas let's look at um so we're in the Bay Area um so what this bill essentially is trying to get back to is the employer-based health care system.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, but take Uber, which has this massive, massive, massive fleet of employees who they call contractors so they don't have to give them health insurance. Those folks who drive for Uber aren't, you know, they're not the, the devil welfare queen that Republicans want to paint them as. They, You know, they're folks with jobs, but they just they don't get health care from their employer.
0: Right, and I mean... So
1: the individual marketplace is probably where they're getting insurance. Um, One of the more contentious parts of the replacement, and this is contention within the Republican Party, is is the Medicaid expansion.
0: Right, it's interesting because even within the Republican Party, there are individuals who are standing up for the Medicaid expansion because their constituents actually benefit from it and are angry if they they, yeah they have health care and they don't want to lose it go figure and then there are republicans who you know their states didn't expand or they don't care one they're angry about it i mean how are they going to find common ground there is it possible to find common ground i mean basically they're going to have to some of them are going to have to suck up and decide whether they want to um, make their constituents happy in this way or another way, basically, right? Like they're hedging their bets on health care.
1: Um, there's, it really comes down, I think, to how they spin it. So going into a midterm election year where it's estimated that 14 million people with health insurance, it's, and if it passes, it's gonna be on a lot of these um, House representatives. Or um, senators, whose states or counties and districts were how they were won by Donald Trump, mm-hmm. or, or how if they were they lost. Were won. Yeah, how yeah. they lost um, to Hillary Clinton. Um, maybe this crazy three hundred thirty billion dollar reduction in the deficit will be enough to win over the Rand Pauls. But there are still people who are saying, oh, "Wait, you're not getting rid of Medicaid expansion. You're letting it go on for." <laughs> for till 2020, more years. yeah. And you're also saying states can jump on right now if they want to, and we'll keep expanding it. That's not enough for some people, I don't think.
0: Right. And the truth is, is that losing your health care is much more tangible than 330 billion dollars out of debt for the country, right? Like when when it comes to affecting an individual voter's life, whether or not they have health care and how, how much of a pain in the butt it is to have health care. Right. And I, be
1: I, I don't want to, I want to go back to that real quick because I want to point out how intangible on the reverse ver- side, how intangible it was in the last election to gain health care. Right. It's at this point where it's taken for granted that the system has been so overwhelmingly changed. For the better for millions of people, and I think you're right when you're saying it's t- it's tangible to lose health care.
0: Right? Yeah. I mean, and if if gaining health care is like a plus one bonus, losing health care is a minus ten, right? Yeah. If we're talking video game speak or something yeah. like that, right? Like you don't you may not you know it's better having health care. In most situations, even if you don't use it, it feels like that kind of safety net. And in certain situations where you see people going to town halls and saying, you know, my husband got mm-hmm. cancer and we're so happy that we had this health insurance, that's a huge bonus for them. But for a general population that gained health care and maybe didn't use it, just having it is plus one, plus two, whatever. But losing that is such a slap in the face to general American people to give something and take it away in that way is just like
1: but I don't know. That's
0: an election killer in, in my book and
1: We'll see. Because if anything, the Republicans are the masters of spin. And I think that was one of the biggest failures of the Obama administration is losing the argument or losing them excuse me, the losing the media argument on Obamacare versus ACA. Mm-hmm. I mean, Kentucky expanded. They welcomed Obamacare, but they didn't call it Obamacare or the ACA, but mm. they had folks lining up down the street for um, Connect K Y N E K T or something like that.
0: I mean, here even in California mm-hmm. though they don't call it that. It's still well, it was like Cal Care. It,
1: yeah. it was building off of um, the system was already in place.
0: Right, but I mean, yeah. a lot of like Ten Care. Tennessee had Ten Care, which was their Medicaid. But, but... the
1: difference is in California, they didn't actively say. This is not Obamacare. That was the difference. Yeah, there's always going to be chasms of differences between the ACA and the AHCA.
0: Yeah, and I mean, that's just another example of the problems that are going on currently in our state. There's just such polarization, and this is, like, one of the most uh, polarizing topics for the past eight
1: years. Right, I mean, and just philosophically way different theories on what healthcare even means um is it a right is it a privilege Just different people come to the table with different ideas
0: well in that really quickly a last uh, kind of debate are both sides philosophically looking to do what's best for everyone mm-hmm. i i don't know sometimes it's hard to decide i mean I guess the the kind of loving part of yeah. me likes to think that Republicans want goodness for America the same way that Democrats do. And so we've got to keep believing that and believing in each other in a way sure. to get something good for everybody out there.
1: Sure. And uh, today's episode with the crazy CBO report um, called for a pretty stiff drink. So, this one, I don't know if y'all could tell, was brought to you by Knob Creek Kentucky Straight Bourbon 100 proof whiskey.
0: Yeah, uh we had to take a little nod at Connect, which is Kentucky's mm-hmm. version of the expansion and uh so had a little bit of Kentucky bourbon.
1: Cool. Thanks for listening.
0: Bye.